Arvind Kamse is one of the foremost thought leaders in the NFT industry. He has consulted with over 300 NFT brands and partnered with Reddit, Twitter, and Quora. He has some very exciting current projects generating incredible profits and garnering the attention of celebrities. This is the genius behind the sellouts for some of the top brands and collections in NFTs, including Frogos, which sold out in seven minutes, Women of Crypto, which sold out in one hour, Meta Legends, which sold out in 23 hours, and Sam Vega. Casino Club in 20 hour. Today, Arvin is going to break down the exact process of how he has helped so many NFT projects sell out and do it in record time. This interview, you do not want to miss. Welcome to the new to crypto podcast designed to guide you through the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy created for the new and intermediate crypto investor join your host crypto travels michael as he takes you through the different facets of getting started and succeeding in your crypto journey new to crypto podcast brings you new episodes daily monday through friday with surprise bonus episodes sometimes on the weekend let me ask you are you new to crypto don't know where to start are you more experienced but have questions? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is designed for you. Coming at you from the Trading Center in the Lifestyle Design Studio, here's your host, Crypto Travels Michael. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. You can store, manage, and grow your portfolio, get NFTs, and multi-chain support. Download the Brave Privacy Browser at brave.com slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. All right. I'm excited about today's episode. The guest that I have on here is definitely one that you've been waiting for. Arvin has helped five major NFT projects sell out in the first 24 hours and he has helped founders of over 300 NFT projects absolutely crush it with sellout results. He has been featured in Forbes and USA Today. Arvin, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming out. Thank you for having me, Michael. Absolutely. Hey, before we dive in, can you tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So back in 2016, um, I had a really good friend of mine, Nick, and he basically sold everything he had and uh, bought Bitcoins. And then I got very interested into like, you know, figuring out like why he's doing that. And I, I didn't get into Bitcoins back then, but it was just very interesting for me. And then I moved out of that city where we both lived in. And a few years later, I call him up and I'm like, hey, Nick, how's everything? How's work? And he goes, what work? And I'm like, what do you mean? And he goes like, well, he's completely retired. And he's just like traveling the world. So that was my intro into the crypto world. And then since then, you know, I, I got into actually understanding, okay, what NFTs are, started trading into NFTs. And then I helped a artist in Italy uh, sell out his collection with just Twitter ads. And then I, I had that proof of concept. So I was like, okay, this is cool. I have a lot of knowledge in this area. I want to get into this industry. And since then, you know, I worked with 300 plus NFT projects, as you mentioned earlier on, also um, helped a ton of them sell out anywhere from like seven minutes to uh, 20, 23 hours. Wow, man. Talk about a resume. And uh, let's break down what what is it that you do? You, you know, who are your clients and what do you help them with? 
Yeah. So typically, there are different types of people that they get into the NFT industry uh, to create their own NFTs. Interestingly enough, some of these people, they've never made a dime online. Sometimes even they're not even experienced in business, uh, let alone just like online marketing. But they come in, they build a community in a month of, you know, up to like 80,000, 100,000. And then they sell out um, their NFTs of, you know, collections of anywhere from, you know, 5,000 to 10,000 NFTs literally in a month. And they make, you know, somewhere around, let's say, 5 mil uh, to 10 mil. So I've been in marketing since 2012. And, you know, businesses, when they would come to me, like, you know, we would set expectations with the business, be like, okay, so you need to work with us for at least three months, six months, and then we will show you some results, right? And then now people coming in, they've never done business. And then in a month, they make $5 million, right? And it's just crazy. Man, the beauty of uh, crypto and NFTs, huh? Yeah, exactly. And and just so accessible to everyone, right? So Yeah, that's incredible. From zero to uh, explosion in a month, you know? What are some of the largest NFT projects that you have helped? Yeah, so uh, with uh, Woman of Crypto, uh, we hit number one on uh, tre- trending on OpenSea, uh, trending on um, IC.tools. Actually, Paris Hilton just retweeted us a few days ago. And uh, there's another project, Frogos. It's not by any means a large uh, size of the project, but it is definitely one of those uh, exciting ones. Very, very tight community. I mean, it's so tight. Like my sister got one of their, their NFTs. She called me on the reveal day. She called me just talk about the frogs that she got for like half an hour. And so it's just a very tight community. They just everywhere they go, they just, you know, it's, so it's all about frogs. And everywhere they go, they just say ribbit, ribbit. So like, it's, it's really, it's really, it's really funny. And it's actually, by the way, that's one of the, one of the coolest thing you can do in, in marketing to just have some sort of meme or some sort of insider thing in your community where it makes it easy for them to just distribute the information to everyone else and just connect with everyone else. Um, I've worked with, uh, Meta Legends, uh, San Vegas Casino Club. And quite honestly, I have, consulted so many people like some of them they've already sold out and i haven't even like gotten to write a case study about them and so like for example generative dungeon i found out like last week that they actually hit top 40 in the world for open sea and i didn't know so there's so many already that i don't like i can't possibly be following like every single one to see like what's happening but and also things happen so fast right so just in 30 days you go from nothing like for example woman of crypto uh, went from zero people in their Discord to about eighty thousand people in thirty wow. days. Yeah, in thirty and just, days. Uh, exactly, and just think about think about like so. You know, when I started in marketing, I was working with small businesses or by medium size, and you know, all the way to you know, public companies, Fortune five hundred companies. But this was always the the concept of building a social media platform, building a following. It's always like it takes time. Like that's what comes right after that. Like when you say like, I want to build my socials, then you immediately follow it by, it's going to take a long time. It's going to take a few years, right? But now that has changed that you just in a month, you don't have any knowledge about social media, anything about like, you don't know what like Twitter is. And then you go in and you just like build a Twitter and Discord following, like you're just like a pro. Right. And like, you don't have to actually have anything special. I mean, I'm by all means, like all the projects I work with, I'm sure there's special people and they're, they're very cool people, but there's nothing extraordinary about like anything 
in these projects. Of course, they're like, you know, cool utilities. They, they really believe in their projects, but it's just things have changed so much where you no longer have to spend so much time. And so it, it, it just doesn't take that long. You know, things have changed. Okay. Before we, uh, we dive into the solutions and how you're helping all of them achieve incredible results, what are some of the challenges that founders of NFT projects face? Maybe, you know, when they first come to you yeah. or, or in general, you know? Honestly, the biggest thing I would say, I guess two biggest problems are one is you can't really tell the difference between a legit influencer versus one that's not. And so there's a lot of paid influencing that you would do in inside the NFT marketing. And sometimes, unless you have developed a relationship with people, it's hard to tell. And you, you don't have a lot of time, right? You only have like four weeks. It's hard to tell who is actually going to produce results for you. And even like for the challenge for me is I'm not going to just use one influencer you know, for the span of four weeks. So also it's hard for me to tell like which influence is actually pulling the most weight, right? So even though I've used many of them. So I think that's like a big show challenging for people to the point where people offer me on a daily basis. They say, we pay you, just tell us which influencers to use. Just give us a list. We'll just buy that list off you for thousands of dollars. Wow. Yeah. Well, definitely knowledge is power, right? Well, yeah, of course. Um, And then the second one is... The politics of um, NFT. So what I mean by that, um, social media platforms, although NFT is going really fast. Like, so you know, I have a running joke with my friends. It's like, if we take a day off, we're going to be behind 10 years, right? So now social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Quora, Reddit, YouTube, these are all kind of behind on NFTs. Not so much of like not knowing what NFTs are, more so they don't have the regulations completely figured out. So what happens is on Reddit, Quora, and Twitter, and actually Facebook used to be the same as well. Facebook and Instagram used to be the same. You just could not run NFT ads. And Facebook changed their policy in November 2021. Uh, they lifted the ban on uh, crypto and NFT. And now for crypto, you still need to have a permission. But NFT, you can freely talk about it online on your ads. But then Reddit, Quora, and Twitter, you still need to have approval to run NFT ads. And so sometimes, like, I remember, like, there was at the beginning when I um, didn't have the partnership with these companies, it was so hard because we would run ads, especially, for example, San Vegas Casino Club. First of all, it's a casino, like marketing casino on social media ads, um, social media platforms is already like uh, a challenge just because most of the times it's not allowed. Gambling is not allowed. But the idea of like, you know, spending hours and hours just talking to different people on Twitter, explain to them, be like, hey, this brand is not going to be a rock pole. Here are why, here's why like you should trust us, why you should trust this brand, basically pitching brands to get the approval. Like that was probably the hardest thing in the NFT marketing, not so much the marketing, the NFT itself, actually just the approvals to be able to advertise. I think that was the hardest thing for me and also a hardest thing for the founders as well. Cause sometimes they, they thought like I would get a lot of people come to me and say, Hey, so you can't run ads on Twitter. Right. And I'm like, no, you can just, you just need to know how. Right. So, so I think that those two are the biggest challenges. And then I guess one other thing I would add every time Gary V says 99% of the NFT brands, not going to make it a lot of actually brands price, like floor price goes down. So I think Gary Vee is also contributing to that too as a challenge. But uh, but other than that, those two, those two are like the largest 
Lotus Challenge. Wow. That's a lot of influencer weight to be able to fit, you know, floor price. So let's move into how on earth are you able to help so many NFT projects achieve incredible results and ultimately sell out? Meaning, how do you help them solve this? Let's break down some of the process. Yeah. So, I mean, I've developed my relationship with the platforms, you know, uh, Reddit, Quora and Twitter. And so I can leverage those relationships where it's a process, like not still like... I still have to look over the handles, website, make sure everything is compliant, then vouch for them. And I also don't do it for everyone, right? But even then, I think that's probably been the hardest thing that I, I guess, hardest challenge that I solved by, by just having those relationships. As far as the actual launch itself, so I think just by simply consulting so many different brands, I've gained a ton of knowledge into what's working, what's not working for different brands. Um, And so, you know, people come and talk to me about like why certain things are not working for them or why certain things are working for them really well. And of course, I have like my inner circle, like in in Discord, you're part of it, you know. So they talk about like what's really working for them, right? Also, like I would say NFT community is like really cool in that sense because they're not really competing with each other. So they share everything so freely with each other. It's, It's the coolest community. So there's that. But also, like, I came to the NFT world. I had the knowledge and experience of doing investor relationship marketing for public companies. So I would actually help them increase their stock price. And the advertising platforms that we would use was just exactly the same as NFTs and also a lot larger volume. So, you know, we would spend like, say, 500K a month. No NFT brand so far I've worked with, except Metal Legends, they had a lot of spending, but. Most of them, they didn't have like that much spending. But the point is, I've tested out certain things that I knew that was going to work in investor relationship marketing and NFT. It turns out it was working as well. It's the same thing. It's just, you know, targeting investors. And then I tried it out with a bunch of brands, figured it out. It was working. And then I just started just doing the same thing. And then as we're doing things, I also see like how uh, the community is evolving, right? So give you one specific example. I used to say you want your whitelisters. And for those of people who don't know what whitelisters are, if uh, you buy NFT, you can have your crypto wallet approved to buy the NFT at an earlier date than the public. Uh, So that's called being whitelisted. So I used to tell people, be like, hey, uh, you want your whitelisters to buy 30 to 50% of your collection before the public sell. So that was a that was working for us, right? But lately, one of the reasons like we can sell out in seven minutes, one hour is just because we make it so that people in our whitelisters almost wipe out the entire collection. So it's more like right now it's more like eighty to ninety percent of the collection that they they buy, and then we open open it to public, but there's not much left to buy. So that's why it happens so quickly. Interesting. So the process of basically you know beginning a project and and ultimately launching it and selling it out. So you working with the brands and knowing what can be approved to run ads and ads is probably, would you say ads is a large part in, in building a community? I would or? say so. I would say there are two, especially at the very end, because um, once you build a community, well, well actually, like, let me give context to your resonant. So on any social media platform, when you post something organically by design, social media platforms are by their default, not going to show your message to everyone, not all your followers, right? And the reason for that is that you would pay that 
social media platform for advertising, right? So that's the whole point. Discord doesn't have any ads, but like Twitter has, uh, let's say, uh, TikTok, YouTube, Google, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, Quora, Reddit, like all of these, they have ads. So now if you think about it, let's say you built 80,000 people in your community in Discord, or let's say on your Twitter over a span of one month. But then if they don't remember that your mint day is coming up, so mint day meaning the day that you're actually going to go buy the NFT at a pre-sale, if they don't remember that they, you're going to do it and when you're going to do it, all that effort goes to waste. And so that's a really important thing. So a lot of people start coasting like a few days before their uh, mint date. And that's actually the most important days for any brand. So like all you've done, now you're going to actually retarget people, actually get your message to everyone using ads specifically, because that's the only way you can actually reach everyone in your community. You cannot possibly organically reach everyone in your community. It's just not possible. Like the ad platforms won't let you. And so with that, you'll be able to do that. And like, I'm going to give you like a specific example. So we do this thing called like a tease. So five days before the mint, we start saying, hey, five days left, four days left, three days left, two days left, right? So we do just a lot of hyping up and a lot of reminders to make sure these guys know, hey, like our mint day is coming up and you're going to come in and just like buy the NFTs. And that we do with ads plus organic. Okay. Yeah. I can see how that would be really important, not only to build a community, but to remind them when you're launching. You yeah. Know. 100%. You had mentioned like building a community of 80,000. And, you know, before we start getting inbound messages from our audience, um, I know they want to know what kind of, especially for some of the listeners who are creating their own NFT projects and they want to launch them, what kind of budget are some of your clients needing in order to build 80,000, you know, person? community in such a short amount of time. For sure. Um, yeah. So best way, if your listeners want to get the exact numbers, I do case studies where literally after a brand sells out, uh, someone in my team, uh, he's an amazing writer. He goes on and actually interviews the founders, everyone, their team, and then asks them questions. I go into my um, ads platform um, and I also basically screenshot everything and then just record everything to see how much money we spend on what platform, right? And I published that as a case study on soldoutnfts.io. So if anyone wants to just see exact breakdown of the spending, they can go see, and there's literally screenshots, they can see how much spending, like what ads we use, so on and so forth. But other than that, typically it's about $15,000 on paid ads and about 30 to 50K on uh, paid influencers. So a larger larger contribution of influencers. Okay. So that's a good idea. It's a good ballpark for our listeners. So let's circle back to, we were talking about building a community. What are some of the initial steps that need to be taken? Let's say we have a listener creating a project or maybe, you know, getting ready to launch. What are some of the initial steps to building that community? Yeah. So um, first thing I do with any brand is I like to get that one-liner, the messaging that is so special about the brand. So you can no longer just just come up with a PFP and expect everyone's just gonna you know rush to buy it. Like it, that's been done already, right? So this is, NFTs in that sense, the, the, just the artwork itself is not new. Even if it's a very famous artist, like we have the artist for like uh, Floyd Mayweather in our uh, in my course, we have. 
we have like lots of people like Hollywood triple A legend, like it's actually like in my community, like literally using these strategies that I'm sharing with you guys. And so everyone's like already doing a lot of things. So just having an artwork alone is not going to cut it. So what I'd like to do is just give you an example of that one-liner. So for example, for Sam Vegas Casino Club, it was, you can be the house and the house always wins. Yeah, it's, it's for gamblers, right? And it's also for people who are interested in getting a profit, essentially getting a share of the profit of the casino, right? And so just having that one line, that clearly tells people what this is about, right? In fact, in specifically, I didn't show much of the art for San Vegas Casino Club in the ads. Most of the stuff that I did, and actually the two reasons uh, I would say I didn't show the art because the utility, meaning, you know, the... Uh, I believe it's 50% of the profit of the casino is going to be distributed amongst the holders. So that that utility was strong. So I wanted to just really showcase that. The second thing is, if we, if I did show the casino, like we would get banned immediately. Um, in fact, like I even used SBC instead of San Vegas Casino Club everywhere. So those are the things like I would try and just get banned on every single platform and then just like come up with like strategies to get around it, right? Yeah. So first thing is just getting that one-liner, figuring out like what is so special about this? Like for example, Woman of Crypto is, you know, the the cultural reference. So like the role, let's say women uh, play in the community, right? In, in the society at, at large. So certain things about every brand is just so special. And that's like one of the things I do with every brand, just figure that out. The second thing is... We're going to figure out, okay, what are numbers, what numbers we need to hit to be able to sell out. So for a 10, 10K collection size, um, your Discord is supposed to be three to five times that number. Meaning if you have a 10K collection size, you need to have 30 to 50,000 people in your Discord to be able to sell out. So that's, that's the minimum you want to have. Now, sometimes we like if people, again, sold out NFTs.io, if they, they go and actually read the case studies, you see like sometimes we did like 12, 12 times. 13 times, right? But that's that's the minimum. For Twitter, it's going to be somewhere around... So you will notice your like brands that sell out, they're disproportionately larger on Discord versus Twitter. So Twitter is essentially like a resume. So it's just presentation. Like you don't need to have lots of people on your Twitter, but you need to have a good size of following. Like let's say if somewhere around, let's say 5 to 10K for a 10K collection. The most important thing is the engagement rate is needs to be at least uh, 0.5%. Now, so this is where NFT founders make really weird decisions. So uh, they start buying followers. They start paying promoters or like shillers for like $4 an hour to just get the numbers. You have no idea how many times... I mean, actually, if you literally look over my Discord, like you see how many times a day I say this and people still do it. Now, the problem with, uh, you know, buying, like actually having fake people in your community. Well, first of all, the biggest problem is like they're not going to buy NFTs for sure. Um, the second problem is then you actually need to make up, like you actually need to run more ads, spend more money to make up for the engagement that they're not actually providing for you. Right. So it's just so problematic. And sometimes even like I've seen it in brands that I consulted, people forget that they bought followers and they think they have lots of people actually supporting the community. They go into the mint day and they, they get disappointed. Like I would say that's like one of the worst decisions 
any NFT founder could make to for any reason. Like you don't even need to buy one single follower. Like you do not need it. And people think that way because they think like, you know, at the beginning, if they don't have followers, no one's going to join them. But there's a way to fix that too. Like you don't need to buy followers at all. Never. Right. So hitting those numbers is the second thing. So first thing is just like, okay, what's the messaging? Just get that clear. Second thing is what are numbers we need to hit? And then the third thing is basically your roadmap has to be fully fleshed out. So if you just copy pasted it from another brand, this is a good time to go and actually edit that and actually elaborate on that. Because a lot of people think this is also weird because sometimes people like NFT founders, they, they don't have a lot of business experience. So they think like people not going to find out. And, you know, so they just put like someone else's stuff in there and they, they say like, oh, it should be okay. And it's not obviously. So if I see, for example, I've, I've read so many of these roadmaps. If I see something, I can recognize, be like, oh, I've seen this before. Like I know exactly where I've seen it from. And so, so I think that's also very important. Just like flesh it out and actually show people you understand what you're going to do with their money later on. Those are the top three. Absolutely. Brave Wallet is the first secure crypto wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. What's Web3? Web3 is freedom from big tech and Wall Street. More control and better privacy. But there's a weak point in Web3, your crypto wallet. Most wallets are browser extensions, a Web2 technology. That means the same old risks, app spoofing, phishing scams, and theft. Brave Wallet is different. Brave Wallet is the first secure wallet built natively in a Web3 crypto browser. No extension required. With Brave Wallet, you can buy, store, send, and swap assets, manage NFTs, even connect other wallets and dApps, all from the security of the best privacy browser on the market. Whether you're new to crypto or a seasoned pro, it's time to ditch those risky extensions. It's time to switch to Brave Wallet. Download Brave at brave.com forward slash new to crypto and click on the wallet icon to get started. Okay. Thanks for breaking that down and sharing that. So having an actual genuine following and having a fantastic project and a clearly defined roadmap and actually a good project, not just a bunch of JPEGs to release to the world to make a quick sell-up, but actually have a great project. Yeah. And also don't be a rock pull. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So let's go down the the Fragos launch or the the frogs you mentioned earlier. What was it like in the days leading up to the launch and ultimately like the day before and on launch day? Take take our listeners. Now they're all, you've piqued their interest. They're all excited in this. But like, you know, give them a sneak peek behind, you know, the curtain. Yeah, perfect. So, um, so this is a very different type of projects than other other ones I've done. Um, of course, again, the case study is in is on my sold.nfts.io. They can they can read it, but the full details of it. But then the so it's on Solana blockchain first of all. So that's that's also something very important for people to think about which blockchain they want to be on, right? So Ethereum is very well known because of OpenSea, most probably, and let's say Solana is not as well known. So you're targeting newbies for your project, then you may just have to ex- explain an additional thing to them. So you have to explain first what an NFT is, what you're going to do, and then also what also Solana is, because they may not know it, right? And and that's yeah. still like with Ethereum and Solana is still pretty good. Like with like, let's say XRP or something else that uh, Polygon, 
now you have like an additional thing to explain to people too. Not saying like they can't be successful, but you just got to be mindful. That's the thing you added it to, to your marketing. So anyways, these guys were on Solana. Now, the cool thing about Solana is it's just a very tight community still. It's not as large as Ethereum. So they're still trying to like make their mark, right? So it's really cool. Like uh, the communities are so helpful for each other. So when you, as an NFT founder, you come into Solana, like a lot of people are just going to follow you. Like a lot of actually big timers in, in Solana blockchain, just because they want you to be successful. Um, and so a few days leading up to this, um, we had a, a ton of obviously people joining in and just like talking about saying how excited they are. And they literally are excited. Like my, so my sister was one of them. Like they were super excited that this project was going to happen. And uh, we would, we would release these like uh, previews of like what the, the, the froggers would look like in the metaverse, the characters, what it would look like. And people would be freaking out. It's so fun. Um, and so, so that was, that was a big thing as far as just like the vibe of the community, as far as the numbers, um, our discord numbers were going like, um, up at, fa- at fastest, um, at compared to any other time. And then our whitelisters, um, uh, we had a ton of whitelisters, uh, that just basically got selected, um, uh, about like a few days before. And so those were some of the highlights of what were, what was happening, uh, right before. And for me, of course, it's like the most stressful time, <laughs> like just, just figuring out like, okay, are we going to be okay? You know what I mean? So. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the whitelisters. Is it you build a community, you drive the demand, you have the ads going, and then you're marketing to the community to sign up to whitelist early? Is that is that accurate? Yeah. Or- and so it's getting to the point now where, I mean, there's this Hollywood legend I just consulted the other day. And basically how his project is going to go is unless you're whitelisted, you're not going to even be able to buy. like. That's how it's going to go. Like, I'll give you another example, actually. I think it was Board Bunny, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know about their project. I'm not associated with their project by any means. So I don't endorse them or anything. But I uh, just want to like make a point here. I think they sold out in like five minutes. But like most people who wanted to buy it, they couldn't buy it. Because whitelisters just bought everything. Right? So we're getting into that, I guess, time of the NFT communities wanting to have the sellout before the public sale. Meaning we just want to select people, tell them, hey, you can buy and just tell us that you're going to buy. So we don't have to worry that like our public sale is going to be a mess, right? So we've gone into that in that direction. And so there's a huge focus right now on whitelisters and getting whitelisters. Now, I remember with Amy, woman of crypto, I told her, I was like, uh, so this was right after San Vegas Casino Club. So they gave away a lot of uh, whitelist spots to people and it freaked me out because the day before uh, their whitelist, I thought, you know, I was just like, I couldn't sleep that night. I was like, I don't know if they're going to actually buy because we gave it away. Right. And so there wasn't a huge commitment from people to get the whitelist spots. So then I told this to Amy and then Amy kind of went overboard on that. So she made it so that you had to invite, I think, 10 people to the Discord and also be a level 10 engager on Discord. If you guys don't know what that means, that means like you got to spend your entire life on their Discord. And so like literally like a part-time job in there. So, and then (laughs) on top of that, 
On top of that, you have to fill out an application. And on top of that, she would just reject a lot of people as well. So um, that gave us a lot of certainty to know, hey, these guys are actually going to buy, right? Because they've just gone through the, the hazing process, I would call it. And then we knew, we knew these guys are like very serious, very committed. So we are getting into that. We're getting going that direction of just heavily focusing on whitelisters, uh, pulling most of the weight for the sellout. Okay. I know that there's a question on our listeners' minds. Um, so you've explained how these projects launch, how they're ultimately how they're successful when they launch. And everybody's wondering, how many NFTs do the founders keep, you know, when they launch a project? You know, is there a, you know, you've held 300 different projects. So, you know, I mean, is, is, is there a trend that you see in this area with them? Yeah. I mean, that's interesting because um, I think they obviously very interested in their own projects. Like, so Frago's founder, I mean, we have marketing meetings. Every time we talk, we spend like 10 minutes at least just this guy, he's talking about his Frago's, just saying how handsome they are. Right. So, so this is like the coolest thing, right? So I, these are all like a lot of people, artists themselves, or they have their artists. So they're so excited about their project. So they do keep a lot. But then obviously what happens is they, you know, up, up to the project, they, they like assign certain number to themselves. But what happens is like, as the project is like going well and everything, typically people want to obviously make money. So then they sell most of it and they just keep a few. Um, and, you know, they already make a ton of money. So the, the financial side of things, they already make a ton of money on the mint, mint day. Plus, um, they get anywhere from 3 to 6% on average uh, royalties. You can do up to 10%, but that's why I advise people to do 3 to 6%. Um, and so they're going to get money from people trading these NFTs. Uh, so they don't have to like wait until the NFT goes up and then maybe sell it themselves. Like they, they make money regardless. There's no reason for them to keep it, but... Honestly, I could see some of them. I, I don't ask them ever like how many exactly they keep, but I could see some of them. They would just keep so many because they just love it so much. And what is the average like opening price, minting price point that you see on these projects? Yeah. So I just want to give context to your listeners. First of all, like people know about internet marketing. So when the price point is somewhere around 500 bucks and that's the equivalent in ETH, Sol, whatever blockchain you're on, then... People don't have to think much to pull the trigger to buy it. So up to 500 bucks is almost the same. So 400 bucks and 500 bucks is the same. Like you may as well just do 500 bucks at that point. Um, and it also means that let's say, you know, they don't have to consult their wife to, to buy that NFT, right? So like, it's just a low enough for them to just say, Hey, I'll just do it myself. But then with Woman of Crypto, we actually did 0.2 ETH. This was back in. December time. So 0.2 ETH back then, it was almost 1200. That's higher, definitely higher than average. And so typically I tell people to answer your question, typically I tell people to start with equivalent of 500 bucks because that's just removes a lot of barriers from people wanting to buy. But then, you know, there are projects, like I consulted one project, their NFT is 30 ETH. So yeah, I mean, there's that too, but yeah. 30 ETH, 3-0? Yeah, yeah, yeah. ETH. Yeah, yeah. For, an, for the opening. Yeah, yeah. And by the wow. way, for those people who don't know what ETH is, we're talking about Ethereum. Sometimes we get Ethereum, circles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what is the average collection size? You know, your clients are, yeah. you know, give, give us a variety from, from what to what. Yeah. So again, I think I go back 
to give context to people like see why the number it is. But a lot of people, when they come into wanting to do their NFT collection, the knowledge they have is from social media that like the early, early on people were doing 10,000 collection. So if literally everyone thinks they need to do 10,000 um, and everyone comes to me and they say 10,000. And if I ask people like all the time, I'm like, why 10,000? It's like, well, what do we do? You know, it's like they haven't thought about anything else. And so I actually advise a lot of people against 10,000 because to have a 10,000 collection sell out, you, you have to have the budget for it. And you can still do 10,000, but you could just do it in drops, meaning you could do 2,000 first and then 8,000 later. But by the time you do your 2,000, you've made a bunch of money. You can inject it back into your second round of marketing and then just sell out the complete like 10,000. So unless someone has budget, I don't actually like it when people do 10,000, but most people do 10,000 regardless. And then I, th- I believe like Woman of Crypto, we had like 8888 for um, San Vegas. We had about 11,000. So 11111. But yeah, typically about 10, somewhere around 10,000. Okay. And of the projects that you've helped, how many of them have uh, NFTs? How many of them are NFTs with utility or have utility behind the NFT? Great question. If I think about it, almost all of them now. They have some sort of utilities. In fact, even if they're not, we've passed that point where you can get away with it. Meaning if you don't have any utilities, people are just going to quickly sell it and your flow price drops uh, significantly. And then, well, that would be the end of that project. But funny enough, what's almost everyone doing as far as utilities this year is uh, some sort of DAO, some sort of like creating their own token. So then you can do a staking and play to earn games. And yeah, I, I would say those are like the biggest things. Like everyone's just trying to offer it right now. But I like it when people have like their own story or like their own type of utility that's just creative, not just like, hey, I'm also doing staking. You know what I mean? So absolutely. No, I have to agree. Let me ask you, what are the keys to keeping the floor price up after the project launches? Yeah. So first of all, I think it's very important when you do your reveal. So if you do a reveal, what I advise people is uh, to do five days after the sellout, then you have some time, first of all, to... I mean, a bunch of things happens. Sometimes people forget that they just bought the NFT, so they forget to sell it. And then because it's just been so many days, right? I know five days is a lot of days. <laughs> <laughs> I even set myself a calendar reminder. <laughs> and then the other one is I like because they start actually reading on like why they're holding it. So we actually advertise heavily during those five days to show them all the things that they're going to get as a holder, right? And you need time for that. If you just literally like reveal the day after, you don't have time to market that. So I think that's a very smart move to do, to actually give yourself time to reveal. Of course, not too long. You can't say like, we're going to get it next year because then everyone's going to freak out. But we want to have enough time. So that's that's one thing. The biggest thing you want to do, you got to have this planned out a little bit in advance. You want to have something that's so cool about being a holder and just like reveal it right there. So for example, San Vegas Casino Club, So initially they said they're going to buy a three by three land on Sandbox. And then instead they bought a three, three by three. So a lot larger, right? And when they put that offer in, 
everyone was just like, wait, I don't know if I want to sell this now. Like, you know what I mean? So they changed their mind. And so it's very important to have something very significant right there to say, hey, this is what we're going to do. What I don't like people doing is just when they say like, if you hold on to this NFT, we're going to give you like a hoodie, like in, in a year. Like that makes no sense. <laughs> and some brands are actually doing that. Some There's a large brand that's actually doing that. I bought their NFT myself and it was like the weirdest thing I saw from them. So Interesting. Interesting. Well, Arvin, man, it's been a pleasure to have you here and really unpack, you know, somewhat of a, I guess you could say an invisible process to to most of the consumers. You know, they're not aware of of this entire process that you shared today. Is there anything else in closing that you want to share with, with the listeners? Yeah, I mean, I do a lot of case studies. I think it's good to just be up to date with what's happening. So you guys can go to soldoutnfts.io. Uh, so that's spelled as S O L D O U T um, NFTs. So NFT dot uh, So sold out NFTs .io is where I publish case studies, and then my handles are Arvin K NFT. So that's also A R V I N K NFT. I also just publish a lot of news and a lot of uh, I guess content that's just about like what I'm finding, what's working, what's not working. So. Those two, I would say, great resources for your people. Awesome. All of your links are on the episode blog post page for today. So it's also in the description, uh, or you can just head over directly to Arvin's site. Arvin, man, it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, we're going to have to bring you back on the show and do like a video for, for YouTube and share some more value for everyone. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Absolutely. Hey, if you like today's episode, definitely like and subscribe to the podcast. Show your support. And chime in here tomorrow for another special episode. Until then, make it a great day. Thanks for tuning in to New to Crypto Podcast. If you like the episode, be sure to follow and subscribe. You can listen to every episode on all major platforms. Have an interest in being on the show or want advertising? Reach out at newtocrypto.io. Head over to our site, newtocrypto.io, to access the resources mentioned in each episode. Until next time, remember to navigate the crypto landscape with pinpoint accuracy.